Well, Paul, do you know what I've been looking to forward? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, here we go. Boom, boom, right out the gate. Successful intro. I'll just let Eli do this again. And places everybody. One, two, three, and action. Do you know what I've been looking forward to all week, Paul, since last week? Is it getting that sentence right? It is this. The joy of this cold open. The warmth. The playful warmth and atmosphere of creative vivla life. <laughs> And that's this week's cold open out the way, I guess. Oh, fuck you. Is that really what you planned? I had nothing planned. You said to me. I have a story I'd like to tell about my trip. And you said, do it after the fucking cold open. All right. So this is the cold open. And it's an absolute shambles. A living shambles. Who sold that then? Mine. It's mine. Because I was pissed up two days. It's three days. You fucking. I feel like shit, man. You disgusting little bloblet. I'm tired of you. I'm not. I love you. <laughs> I miss you. When you're not around, I'm thinking, where's Eli? I know. What's Paul. he doing? I know. But and when I'm you go sorry. away, when you go away to see your other friends in different parts of the country, I get jealous, Eli. I want to know why I why you don't want to hang out with me. I do. It's I hang not. out with you a lot. Paul, I only want to see you on a Monday. Fuck that. That's not true. That's we often have true. another day. Just a professional friendship for the sake of this podcast. I don't need you. This is these are the words I and yeah, I can't leave you. I can't pull myself away from your gravity, Eli. Your gravity. You I know. pull me in. Do you know where the most dense part of me is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Which is what? It's it, it is it's lit- nuts. It's, it's, it's no, nuts. it's your perineum. There is a black hole where your perineum is. A dense void taking all. Taking all in. Absorbing all. Bending time space around your nuts. <laughs> Wasn't that a song by Muse? Black hole perineum. Yeah, black hole. It's a good hit, that one. Yeah. How did it go? A bow, wow, ba bow, wow, bow, ba wow, ba bow, wow, bow, wow, ba bow, wow, bow, ba wow, ba bow, wow. This is Muse, that band Muse, yeah. Yeah, and you know what's great? I found that amusing. It's not though. No, just press the button then. All right. No, you can't say that now. Now it says it in the credits. I've got. I feel sweaty. I feel sweaty and unclean. Oh, mate, we had a good out there when we both laughed at my amusing gag, which was amusing in itself. How dare you? I laugh because it's like (laughs) that kind of laugh. (laughs) You know, really close to like weeping. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) Shall I now go to the credits? Is that where you want to end with your... Just let me get another one of those in. Go on. (laughs) No, dear. I don't know why, but I have a huge big chub on now as well. (laughs) You always get a chub on. You always get a chub on, mate. Always with the chub. Press the fucking credits. and words and phrases. Two things I'm responsible for. Chodney, Chodney Boroff. I hate you. You're fucking evil posse. Jeep show tonight. It's the price of shite. Welcome to Cheap Show.
Hello everybody, it's Cheap Show time. My name is Paul. Yes, that's mine. But what's his name? I'll let you guess. It's Eli J. Silverman, the top of the best. Mm. I won't put my name to something that, <laughs> sure. that, that is so poor. That'll be remixed by Noiseland tomorrow. I'll yeah. let you, you said, what's his name? I'll let you guess. And then you said my name. That yeah. You didn't let anyone guess. No. It doesn't make sense, It was Paul. rhetorical. Music can be rhetorical. Let me try a version. All right, go on. Hey, everybody, it's Cheap Show time. It's that little old show that's always so fine. I'm Eli Silverman. Who's that over there? I won't let you guess because I'll tell you in your ear. It's Paul Gannon. You see, you didn't get that in because now it doesn't scan. You let the Paul Gannon drop off. It was off. better than yours. If not, I'll do it again. Hey, everybody, it's Cheap Show time. It's the time of the week where it's yours and mine. Oh, yeah. My name is Paul Gannon. That's Silverman. Eli J, what you say? Come on and come right in. Yeah. Is that all right? It was okay. See you next week on Cheap Show, everyone. <laughs> That's enough. We've peaked. Now, what do we have coming up on the show, Paul? Oh, well, ah, it's a big winky update episode this okay. week. And at the end, a bit of platter for you. We'll get there when we get there. A little Eli. bit of platter, but I was in Bristol, Paul. This is where I'm just going to say, I'm going to say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to sit back now because it's Eli's story time, one of his travel log adventures. Let's see where Eli got to this week. Uh, I was in Bristol, Paul. Boo. Don't fucking do this to me, right? I just wanted... It's not a travel log. I just wanted to mention Boo. something that annoyed me. That Which is what I do. It's the thing, you know? I hate woke comedy. <laughs> it isn't woke. Go on, Bristol. I went to Bristol to see my friend, the director, Ben Steiner. And also, I really wanted to see this uh, spot in Bristol. Oh, dear. Which is called uh, Cumberland Basin. I'll give you a, <laughs> I'll give you a yeah. Cumberland Basin. Oh, will you? A Cumberland Basin. A Cumberland <laughs> Basin. Uh, no, wait. A uh, Cumberland Basin. Oh, give my Cumberland a pasting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so there you are. You're at the Cumberland Pasting. It, which on. is a spot. Sort yeah, it of. is. Big, gushy, wet one. Opaque. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying this because honestly, this is the best story. Right? We'll see you next. I feel week. like <laughs> I feel like literally no one else Come is enjoying it. I don't. <laughs> Come on! No, I won't. Come on! <laughs> it's an excellent gag. No, it's not. Oh, it's my. It's best. not. It barely is a gag. It's my. It's you just replaced the the syllables of a word with knob and spunk words. <laughs> We can all do that. It's great, isn't it? Well, I could just sit here for an hour and go, yeah, come it's, spunk. It's so good. Come over here and, yeah. you know, spunk to me. Jazz teeth. <laughs> jazz <laughs> teeth. You get cum in your mouth. Oh, oh he's got jazz teeth. <laughs> no, no. I think, Paul. We... I am on fire. No, I think we do need to apologise to everyone and say, we are quite tired and emotional today. <laughs> I just wanted to say something about... I just wanted to mention the Cumberland Basin, Paul. This episode is a cry for help. If you're concerned by what you're hearing, please reach out. That's a joke you've literally been doing for your whole comedy. Yeah, it's good. It's accurate. That is a joke that has been with us since before we started doing this show. Help us. Stop. Hammer time. (laughs) I was going to say, in the name of love. In the name of love. In the name of love. So, I got the coach down. Cumberland Basin, by the way, just briefly, is um, 
two mm. flyovers and they did some civic planning and put a playground in in the 70s when they built these flyovers. Yeah. But it got into disrepair very quickly. And now it is a lovely sort of mix of if they put a little skate park in there and it's very sort of derelict in places. Two words, vernacular brutalism, oh. faded vernacular brutalism. Fuck and uh, it's great. Um, there's this sort of psychogeographic sort of uh, oh, YouTuber I, I follow boo. about Bristol. It's called Pedestrian Get Diversions. To the coach stuff. Who made me aware of this spot. And we've got a lovely, lovely spot. Um, so I went to see that, Paul. But yeah. I got the coach down to Bristol oh. because the coach was 20 quid. Right. But the train is 70 or more. Yeah, it's absolute disgusting. That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's disgusting. It's terrible. And I, but I, don't, I really don't like coaches. I've had bad, bad things with coaches. Yeah. I would prefer not to get the coach. Understandable. But 50 quid more, it's, you know? You it's may like, just take the hit, bite the bullet. Anyway, so I got a coach uh, ticket in advance. Yeah. Came to 20 quid and I thought, All oh, right. I want to be by the window. I really don't want that return? Yeah. Yeah. And did you buy a, an extra couple of quid to get a chosen seat? I reserved, yeah. Yes. I reserved for two quid more. And I thought, May as well. Look at me, Mr. Mm. Big Potatoes, Mr. bourgeoisie. Flying eye. Business class. Because, you know, yeah. Because yeah. it's so cheap. It's only another two quid. Yeah, but may as well. I'll tell you one thing. They do not honour your the fact that you've reserved a seat. You have to fight for your reserved seat. Do you? Yeah. Nail. Yeah. Why? The driver doesn't give a shit, man. Maybe you're one then, because every time I've done it, I've had like, yeah, there you go, make your seats there. You know what I mean? And they no, they weren't on. like this, but this was National oh, Express. Yeah, which... I had National Express. I'm anyway, not, I'm just saying, yours experience is seemingly very different from mine, but go I, on. I had a bad experience in terms of that, the reserve thing. Anyhow. So what, someone was sitting in your seat and you had to go, yeah, yeah on the way down, me. someone was sitting in my seat, yeah. And you had to go, sorry, mate, I reserve this uh, one. Yeah. And they said what? They were fine with it. It was two young ladies. They they just got up and went yeah, to another seat. Enough, that right. was fine. And they were, you know, the driver was of no help. The driver just pointed and said, it's that one there and expected me to go and move. You, do you know what I mean? Okay. That's not a great service. Fine. No. Anyhow, right. but on the way down to yeah. Bristol, I got my reserve seat yes. because I asked them to move. And Established. It was all lovely, nice, quiet, yeah, calm. Lovely. You know, they, they have to breathe into the breathalyzer to start the engine now. What, the drivers? Yeah. I saw I've her never doing seen, it. Maybe that was just for that one fucking driver. <laughs> Brian, you can have your job back, but you've just got to blow into this pipe, otherwise the truck won't No, start. it was literally one of those devices. Yeah. I could hear it beeping, and it's like that's it unlocks something, so once you're clear, you can start the, that's the coach. That's very true. I mean, that's one of those things where it's like... That's good. Yeah. That's very good. It's that could save your fucking life. No, just it like is. That. But fundamentally, the issue is... You shouldn't need to have one of those it's in the, a coach it's the anyway. Coach, the coach industry. So there's been man. enough cases of that happening for them to allegedly warrant doing this. Well, you think about it. Think about the insurance and like how when coaches do, they very rarely crash, but there's lots of death when they do. It's horrible. Anyhow, yeah, that was the the side point. But on the way down, it was you know very comfy seat, great. No one was. It wasn't too busy. No, and I thought, oh, it's okay coaching on the way back oh dear. it was at eight at night i got on the way back that was on saturday afternoon i got that first coach from the, bristol so to, to bristol at three in the afternoon oh right okay from yeah victoria so back though was a nighttime one yes at eight right the bus uh, departed bristol at eight right no safety announcement i go up to him he goes yeah can you get into that coach for me and the coach is already really packed there's a woman sitting in my reserve seat right it's like late at night and everyone's got this kind of vibe and I'm just like I'm not going to bother you know I'm going to find another seat I'm not going to do this whole rigmarole okay, with her whatever because I couldn't be bothered so I ended up with the I'm one just in front move. of the toilet oh, but the dear. window it was fine in the end okay and then I sit down and, the, and it, there was no announcement safety anything just it left shot off that what they do is they try and fill the previous bus or they do all this shenanigans you know what I mean which yeah. is like this is not I didn't get my 
service that I paid for anyway. Or you could argue for 20 quid. The maybe bus you sets did. off. I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. I can just look out the window, yeah. maybe get some sleep. And I can hear, like, it sounds like someone's playing music on their phone somewhere. Uh, yeah? yeah. Okay. And I'm like, oh, no, they can't be. Yeah. And then it's, it is. And I'm like, that's fucking annoying. But I just don't want to get up and go, who's playing music? Or, you know, because I didn't know who it was, basically. Can we wrap this story up, old man? And it was that terrible, just terrible, one terrible hit from the last 15 years after another. Like that one, Slap That. Remember by Soldier Boy? I don't give a Slap that. that. Slap that. You remember that one? Yeah, but I would have just been like, tell the driver to turn that fucking music off. Look, I was just really annoyed. I was once bollocked on a coach because my headphones were too loud. And I got this passive-aggressive mention from the coach driver about, think of other people, blah, 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 blah. I was like, but there's a cunt playing a fucking load of shitty music out of his phone. Were they really? There was someone playing it out of their phone? No, 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 I'm saying in your instance. Listen to the end of the story, okay, No, I won't. Paul, please. All right. Okay, so I'm there the whole time, and it's like every time a song ends, I think, oh, there's a moment just before the next one comes in. Right. Where I think, ah, oh, perhaps they've stopped. Perhaps they've seen sense. Yeah. This rude fucking person. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, they should fucking put them in jail for doing this shit. I hate it so much, you know, the noise pollution. It's so selfish and ignorant. It's so and selfish yeah. and horrible and awful. And it's like the thing, and everyone's going to like my taste of music. Um, so, yeah. And then step up if you don't. I just, I really, it really gets to me. And it seems like a battle that we have lost. Yeah, because you can't outside. stop it. There's fucking everyone on their bus just listening out loud to their TikToks. They're fucking five to ten seconds yeah. of noise. Also, why do people have to shout when they're having a conversation? Mate, it's just the whole, we're old and people our age don't know how to respect technology. Anyhow, so I'm listening because because of what I guess who I am. I'm oh, very... fucking stories. I'm very, uh, you know, I always try and guess what the song is or I'm always, I'm involved. Yeah. I can't help but listen to music you when You become it's Mr. Shazam. You know, but you know, just yeah. because of who I am, I can't ignore it. I find it hard to ignore music. Do you don't have headphones yourself to listen to your I own didn't, stuff. because I haven't got the, the an adapter thing. I need to get some Bluetooth. Get anyway, Bluetooth. and I was like, why didn't I fucking get some headphones for this trip? But I know anyway. Now. Anyhow, so the whole time the music's going, and it's just like, it's a three-hour thing, and I'm just like, this is fucking annoying. Yeah. So I play some Switch and stuff, and you don't, you know, I distract myself. Right. And it was annoying me. The best song that came on was like this uh, Dirty oh, Rascal this thing. fucking story. And then... <laughs> Stop! Stop doing that. People want to hear me talk. Yeah, but it's going on now. We're past ten minutes. Anyway, is this got a good ending? Yes. So right. We, it's and it. it's coming right now. Good. Toot toot. So, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm not going to finish if you look at me like that. Oh yeah, I've heard you say that before. <laughs> Thank you. Now. So we get in to Victoria, the music's still going, and I'm really seething because it's just like, oh, this is, that would have been nice, you know, that journey, but now I'm sort of annoyed. Yeah, wound up. And so I'm looking at all these people because I still I haven't been able to see who it's been. I'm looking at all these people as they get off, and I'm like, was it him? Like, who's this? that cunt? Who yeah. was it? Who is it? Who is who it? Who was it? And then I'm literally the last off because I'm sort of like trying to look, and everyone's off the bus, and the music's still going. And I realised... It's the fucking speaker on the intercom on the whole bus. The driver is just playing music through the intercom. What a fucking cunt. Do you know what I mean? What a cunt. National Express, fuck you. That was terrible service. And no one said anything, you know? Now, that's the other problem, isn't it? No one says anything. But well, I couldn't even conceive that that would be it, that it would be playing over the go. intercom. In port, 10 minutes, Eli. Throughout the whole coach. In, in 10 minutes, Eli, you have literally transformed this podcast into grumpy old men complain. <laughs> 
But any, honestly, any youthful edge to appeal you think to the younger audiences is gone. Don't you think that's annoying and surprising that it was on the actual tannoy in as the a, bus? As someone who you know respects the youth of today, I'm going to say no. It's quite it's quite good that we have. Why this. was it good? It's, it's just not is, good. isn't not it? The youth Everyone, don't have nothing to do with it. It's just I don't want to be seen with you like an old man. I've got vitality. I'm still edgy. I still got it. Still got it. Still got it. Still got it. You still do, got it. Paul. You still got it, mate. I still got it. No, you do. You do still got it. Yeah, you do, do still got it. I do. Right. Thanks for listening, though, Paul, and uh, and appreciating that. Right. We're all talking about Winky now. Shut up, Winky time. Eli, we thought we'd seen it all. We'd heard it all when it comes to Winky. We didn't think that. I thought that. You didn't. I did. No, you. Shut you up. You specifically. Shut up, you stupid little Phil Collins-looking prick. <laughs> Phil Collins looking Yeah, you look like Phil Collins today. <laughs> That's good. Thanks, mate. Do 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 do. Look, you've ruined it. Listen, I'm not ruining it. Don't use fucking terrible words to explain what you mean. You always go, what shall I say? Instead of looking for not, all looking said, for the all actual was, words that would explain it. All I was it. trying to do was build up a picture. I right, know, but it was of, a false thing. Yeah, and but that was the point I was going to make. I was wrong thinking that. But you didn't and think you that. You interrupted me before I got to the point. Because you were going down a path no, of shit. No, no, no. You interrupt like you always do when you think Paul, you know where let things me, are going. L- let me reformulate. I do know where it's going, Paul. Let me just reformulate. Already a okay. minute's wasted let now me because reformulate. you can't just fucking give me 30 seconds. I'll reformulate what you said. No, I don't go want again. you to. I want you out. Get out. <laughs> no, I'm not going anywhere. Get Whether out. Whether you like it or not, Get I'm here out. on this winky journey with you, Paul. Mm, you said okay? that before as well. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. it wasn't that we thought we'd exhausted the supply of winky stuff. You used to say to me, wow, I know there's That's stuff, just, there's uh, info just, out there just waiting to be found. And now, ladies and gentlemen, point. we some of that undiscovered winky stuff has been found. Paul, over to you. So, in a nutshell, like everything with this story... Why is it, it in all- a nutshell? Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. The next time you interrupt me like that for a pointless correction, I'll punch you so hard in the gooch, you'll be using it as your Adam's apple. I'll be using me gooch as me Adam's apple. Clap. Clap. Using your gooch as your Adam's apple. Oh. Oh. It's a musical episode. (laughs) Moving on. So, as ever... With Winky, it seems like our major uh, supplier of information has always been Event. Event has this godlike ability to kind of find that stuff out there and throw it our way. In the background of the past few months, Event's been sending me articles or the newspaper clippings with other names of people who are on that billboard, names I'm looking into. When we go to LA, we're going to have a chat about Winky while we're out there as well. We've also got what we've got here today. Two major pieces that I thought we'd bash together. The second one of which, very interesting. What do you want to say? Two major pieces that we bash together. I've heard you say that before. Yeah, true. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> bash my major piece. No, Paul. <laughs> your forearm. I wanted to say, perhaps there are people who are listening who aren't aware of the Winky uh, thing. Um, so when you say the billboard, that might be confusing. Why don't you just recap what the hey, billboard was? If you don't know what we're talking about, go to episode 181. It's called Winky the Untold Story. And it's the history up until then, whenever it was uh, like three, four years ago, of what we knew about Winky. A toy badge that led to a really, really weird marketing campaign. A kind of stunt type of thing to win a prize. Which um, was basically uh, stay on a billboard in LA for as long as possible. Last person standing a wins. survival competition. The whole story is convoluted and weird and slightly contradictory at times, but 181 does our best to cover it all. However, since then, we've had other bits, like other names that have come up from people who are on the billboard that we didn't know before. 
a few other little clips of things. However, uh, so this first one, I want to get out of the way so we can get to the meaty, meaty this second is, this one. This is a bit minor yes. This is kind of minor, but it's also interesting. interesting. So um, on Twitter, and I can't remember who this was right now, so I do apologise. Someone pointed out, and then event quickly pointed out, that there was an eBay auction. And this eBay auction was something to do with Winky. And I clicked on it, and it was interesting, but it wasn't as if it was like, oh, quick. It was an auction for some photographs and a charity newsletter, which talked about Winky. The backstory to this is I reached out to the person on eBay, and I said, can you tell us a little bit more? For various reasons, we're doing a podcast, and we've copied the Winky before. I'd just be fascinated. Can you send me like a photocopy of the stuff? We don't need the physical things. The lady got back to me and said, you can have them if you want them. And I said, no, make your money. It's your auction, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this is the person who was auctioning yes. that, you're, that you're in contact now yes, with. on eBay. And it what was, was the sort of buying price that they had it up for? Well, it was like $30 or something, yeah. not including delivery, which is also a bit more costly on eBay these days because of... If it's in know, the States, it's incredible. Yes, it's incredibly it be almost costly. As Do you know what the reason? The thing. Yeah, well, Brexit. Yeah. yeah. Everything shit in this country ends with a sentence because of Brexit. Mm. So um, I said to them, no, sell it. Make your money. That's fine. I would just like some photocopies. Then she gets back to me and says, oh, actually, someone's just bought it. And I was like, oh, well, fair enough. Send me the photocopy. So she did. And she said, you know, she was happy to. It was then I found that Yvonne had bought it. Yvonne was the mystery buyer. Was the mystery buyer. And I reached out to Yvonne and said, you, you, we were that far from getting it for free. So I, Never mind. I paid Yvonne back. Oh, so also, you've yeah, actually yeah, yeah, covered yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Cheap show covers it. So Yvonne sent this on. And what it is is a little uh, photo lab sleeve with some photographs in. That's a lovely old sleeve, isn't it? Yes, and I'll let you describe it. It's the type of sleeve you'd get in, in a, a um, yeah in a snappy snaps or something of that ilk, isn't it? Before you get to those pictures, just describe what you're seeing, because it's only tangentially with So it's a photo based. lab in blue and red on a white envelope. Prints and negatives, it says. Yeah, so leave I'm gonna... it for a second. I just want to get to this. It came with this. It came with a, a printout from uh, February 1988, and it's from the San Francisco International Toy Museum at the Cannery, San Francisco. And it's what you think it is. It's a place that is a toy museum and it also raised a lot of money for charity. This newsletter went out to all the people who were patrons of the charity, of the toy museum, and they would get an update of what's been going on. Yeah. The first part of this newsletter is what concerns us. It says, Dr. Winky of Club DV8 not only has his wedding to Estefania later this month on his mind, he's also generous and willing to help children. He just donated 103,824 Winkies, his ingenious computer chip toy, to the new San Francisco International Toy Museum to help them out and the Child Abuse Prevention Society and help them raise much-needed funds. He also donated to the museum a 12-foot pewter knight being called a tribute to Stevan, the game of chess. Cool. There's no photo of that. There though, is, is no there? photo of the the pewter knight the the 12 foot pewter knight which sounds like a wizard of oz character that sounds like something he had in his mansion and was like get rid of the fucking knight we'll give it to this uh, yeah it's also 88 a good generous that's what three i was going to ask later you. right and he yes. goes i've got on do you know when thousand. the actual toy was launched in the states 84. the winky toy Okay, so yeah, it's four years later. So would it be right in sort of thinking, essentially, Winky has failed as a product? Yes. So he's got a storage cupboard with 100,000 Winkies that he went, I'm not selling these, so I'm going to flog them. He didn't flog them? No, I'm going to give them to a charity. Yeah. And what the charity then did was when they had like 
yard sales or whatever, you know, fundraisers, they would sell these badges for like nothing. And that's what the photographs are. You can see a table of so someone. I, I started yeah, yeah, looking yeah. at these photos. So there's no Winky in it. There's no Dr. Winky in there, I don't think. No. It's just a bunch of pictures of a, of a charity fundraiser. This first one has a woman in a green suit. What do you call a, a suit with a two-piece... Pantsuit. No, it's a skirt. She's wearing a skirt, a long skirt. She's wearing... This is way too yeah, much but they, detail. <laughs> they match. A woman dressed in green, you could just a say. A woman dressed in green uh, and standing in front of two uh, video monitors in what looks like a sort of university classroom of some sort. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of people who look quite old and white sitting around on fold-up chairs looking at her. Sounds great. I don't know who that is. We don't know what that There's is. There's no context for these photographs. It's probably toy museum based, though. Very Somebody giving a talk looking. about, I don't know, stickle bricks. And this next one has much more of a sort of conference look with desks out in a lar- very large room. Look, it looks like a car park or something. It does, doesn't it? The way those... Uh, Lights, fluorescent lights seem to be stretching into the, you know, infinity. Hey, maybe that's exactly what it is. It was like a kind of car boot sale in an an underground thing. I don't know, maybe. It has a real car park look. Almost a Blade Runner-y look. Yeah. It's quite a cool photo. I mean, and it has this guy with his back to us sitting and attending one of the desks who has a Toy Museum t-shirt yeah. on. And he looks quite hippie she's got a bandana. Yeah. Looks very LA. Mm. Oh, not LA. Uh, Cal- California. Yeah. And there's a, ch- a woman with an Apple t-shirt. Did you notice that? I did notice that as well. We will scan. Well, not scan. Well, we will put these pictures up on our website. I'll take pictures of the pictures, which won't be great, but they'll do. So Apple was just forming then, wasn't it? Eight, well, 88. Oh, it's already big? 88, yeah. Well, people had their Apple computers at home at that point. Yeah, Macintoshes and stuff. And the next photo is in the same sort of car parky space that's been dressed for this occasion. Again, no Winkies. There's a sign on the table, which I think says Winky $5 or something. You can buy them by the box. They're really trying to wholesale the fuck. Really out are. There. But then I wonder if someone bought these at that thing, put it in storage, and then they're the ones that ended up on eBay. I'd like to think that whatever's on that table ended up on eBay, which yeah. is now in my house. Could be. I don't know the journey of no. these individual badges. But you know what I find from this story surprising is that there's not more Winkies in the world or just well, as we're gonna find in out charity ne- shops. As we'll find out in the next segment, they were meant to be sold in Europe. And that, I mean, we don't know what happened there. They some... didn't come to Europe. They did. The... Yeah, they did, didn't they? Because they, they were did. Because in... the French, some guy, in... no, some guy in France, didn't he? Bought a load, and that's how the song got made. Crazy. But we think we found the missing link between LA and France with the next segment. Okay. Well, I'll quickly finish this bit then, Paul, because that is exciting. The, the next photo is a also smaller heard that format. Before as well, I've heard that before. <laughs> Uh, which has a middle-aged man flanked on either side by middle-aged women. They're all white. Don't know who those are. They all have jeans on, apart from the lady on the right has a waistcoat and chinos, yes. white chinos. It's very much an 80s photograph. It's extremely 80s. Um, that's it, mate. That's it. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a little bit more of the story where we now know that at some point in 88, Dr. Winky was like, oh, I need to fucking shift these. Let's make it an altruistic gesture. Yes. And the pewter knight sounds like another one of those <laughs> items, doesn't it? Yeah. He's, it- he probably, I can imagine having the pewter knight sort of on the landing in his McMansion thing, you know? And it's like up there and he's sick of looking at the fucking knight. Oh, you know what? I need to correct myself because I said it was called a tribute to Stevan, but it's not. The way the letter's formatted, it's weird. So it should be called a tribute to the game of chess, which makes more sense if it's a so maybe it's a giant chess piece night. Of course, yeah. There's As like, opposed to a spooky kind of haunted mansion-esque yes, night. Yeah, thing. which is what I was kind of thinking. Yeah. But pewter, a big 12, 12 foot, that's a big hunk of metal, it is. isn't it? That is a murder weapon in a Murder, She Wrote episode waiting to happen. Yes. And at the end, Jessica Fletcher catches the murder and goes, checkmate. Wouldn't it and be... then it freezes when everyone's laughing. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Dr. Winky had been a guest on uh, Murder, She Wrote? Or Columbo. You would have made a great Columbo villain. <laughs> 
Yeah, he would, actually. Just but... one more thing. You said you made the winky yeah, and the That'd be so you know good I mean? if there was a Columbo based on the winky. And that, the murder happened on the billboard. And so who did it happen? Yeah. Oh, copyright cheap show. Fucking take your hands <laughs> off our idea, you pricks. So that's part one of this. And what we're going to do next is the really fucking interesting Much thing. Much more exciting, yes. So let's get into that right now, because I'm f- 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 fizzing. Thank you. I know you're looking at me. I didn't in- interrupt you or anything, you did I? I did good, no, didn't you did I? Good, good, yeah. Eli. <laughs> I could have a sugar lump. I want to go in the bedroom and get a sugar lump. All right, I'll give the you the house of pickles. I'll give you a fucking sugar lump. <laughs> so this is the one that excited me, right? This is the one. Ah, that... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've just caught a load of shit out. That's why he's laughing. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Paul. Yes, so Paul. This is the thing that got me excited because Even posted on Twitter just casually, as Even likes to, and says big winky thing and then a screenshot of something and i was like wait what this video footage of winky i jump down the rabbit hole i get in touch with event what's all this then i decry and then no decree you say you cry i cry what's all this then i bellowed <laughs> over the internet and event went i don't know how event found this but event said they found the video on youtube from a french guy from a show that existed called le grand raid right meaning the Big Raid. I think it means The Big Race. I'll get into it in a minute. Okay. But I was like, oh, this is great. Show me. Link. And it is a little documentary. It's about eight minutes of two reporters who go... I mean, again, I'll get into the details in a minute. But like, they go to it and they film a little documentary about what was going on on the Winky billboard. And there's an interview with Dr. Winky and with Jeff Stewart. He wasn't and... a real doctor. He was known no, as Dr. He Winky. Was called, he called himself Dr. Winky because his family name was Wink. And so he can... He, we talked about this in 181. Yes. And he, you know, contracted it and made it winky. So there's interviews with him. There's interviews with people on the board. And then there's shots of the thing in motion. Like, apparently they've been on there like three months at that point, I think. Like, they were mid, like, mid or certainly late spring 85 at this point. They were point. well into the... Yeah. Uh, and I was like, this is amazing. The game. But it's in French. I don't know what they're saying because it's not translate. It's not like it's got captions. It's just they dub over the American language. Yes, but couldn't you get some kind of AI? Don't they do that now? Like Google Translate? No, what I did instead was I reached out to our amazing cheap show audience and said, who can do this then and translate the video? And so I want to say a big thank you, obviously to Event for pointing this out, but to Marcus Lindstrom on Twitter, who we're seeing in November. He's flying over to see us in the live show in November. Ticket on our website, Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival. No pressure. November 4th, was it? No pressure. Yes, it's Saturday, November the 4th. There we go. Stretton in South London. Marcus is coming over. We're going to say thank you to him then. But he translated it all. But not only that, he found all the context for who the people were, what the show was called, all of that. Fantastic. And delivered it as a film script, basically. So I was looking at this film script going, well, we could just read the characters, you and me, and read the whole thing verbatim as it is. Or we could do a little bit special. So I've reached out to the Cheap Show family and we are going to recreate that video, but in English language, for you today and present it as a perform piece rather than just me and you reading it out badly. Good idea and thanks for everyone involved. So you'll be listening to that now, but it's important to right now stress what this is all about, what the video is. So now I'm going to go straight to Marcus's thing, all right? Because again, look, he just sent this as really... That's the script. ...brilliantly wow. formatted script. So you well, went above he and beyond. translation, didn't he? And transcript. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he could have just slapped it in a Word document. But no, it's actually nicely formatted. It's formatted as like a, a film play, script. Yeah. So the script is, the show is called Le Grand Raid, Le Carte de, oh God, the Faux Winky, 
Le Pouce de la Communication. Uh, that was the name of this segment. He's written an introduction. Are you ready for it? I'll get through it as quick as we can. Yeah. Bit of context, says Marcus. Le Grand Raid Le Copte de Fou. I hope I, I've not pronounced that right. I don't know why I said I hope I have. Uh, was a show that aired in 1984 to 1985 on various Francophone networks. So, France, Switzerland, Belgium, Luxembourg, Monaco, Canada. The premise of the show is a contest between five teams of two amateur journalists, one per per national network. All the previous, except Belgium, that apparently sat this one out. So basically what they're saying is, those channels that France, Switzerland, Belgium, Luxembourg, Monaco, Canada, apart from Belgium, each represent that net part of the network. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, you mean it's like it's made across all these different Francophone uh, territories and, and each one has together. a representation on the show okay. so it's like a big group network show yeah. was there any equivalent in the English speaking world going for gold maybe for quiz show no but well, no you not know, really like it's actually made in all these diff- by the, all these different companies in different areas was there anything that maybe. like with the ITV regions all got together I and don't stuff? know I mean I know for like Fort Bo- Boy- Boy- Boyard Fort, Fort Boyard, Boyard was, was a like French a, production wasn't it but it was shared by like German and stuff and they all used the same set and props but just rotated okay. the production in and out um, I don't know. People out there, if you do know of any similar formats to this, get in touch. And it was a current, sorry, a current affairs sort of show. Uh... It's a documentary game, so it will go into it. So it oh. says, so each network is represented by two amateur journalists that had to present a subject every week, either documentary or fiction, which were marked by a jury of professional journalists, one again from each national network. And for context later on, if, for instance, France is doing the segment, when it comes to the voting, the French judge can't vote for their yeah. own thing. So they get four votes and where one sits out per character, you know, right. Yeah. So that, there you go. Um, the teams had to travel, because this is a week, I think it was a weekly show, or certainly for the season. They had to travel from the Cape of Good Hope, the far south of Africa, to Cape Horn at the far south of the Americas, and were handed a Citroen Visa all-wheel drive car to do the trip. Their travels lasted from November 84 to June 85. They had to do a weekly film based on where they had been. and um, as Marcus, So they're on the road making yeah, these... And they stop off. That sounds make insane. It, and then broadcast it back live. To, that sounds to insane. Yeah. So some of them were in LA. Well, as okay. he said, as Marcus okay. proposes here, on that journey, they stop off in like San Francisco, yeah. America. And the sorry, documentary... San Fran, sorry. Yeah. And the documentary about Winky was one of those stops that they made along the way. I think in the episode, it's the Monaco-led... The Monaco team. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Either way. So, in in this documentary segment, Christine Demond and Julien Merland were the team representing Monaco, Monaco okay, yeah. and who had handled Winky and are initially being interviewed by a presenter called Didier Renaire. They will later communicate live with the studio in France. Which is the Winky segment. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're going to cut to the segment of the show where... Didier is talking to these two journalists, Christine and uh, Guylaine. How would you say that name? Sorry, Guylaine. Yeah. Guylaine. I don't know. I apologies, but uh, we're going to we're going to go to the in the field segment now. So the last story is presented by Tela Monte Carlo. What's that? What's that little square? And it blinks too. It's a winky. What's a winky? Well, in the world, there's always green lights and red lights. During our travels and our meeting various people, we realised that there's always big communication issues. We ended up in Hollywood, which was supposed to be a very cosmopolitan city where everyone communicates seamlessly. We stumbled upon a new Californian craze intended to remedy that issue. That is why we brought this little gadget with us. More on this in our film. Very cute. 
Also, it blinks. No touching. <laughs> right. Let's watch your story on film. What suspense? So here we go. The story presented by Tele Monte Carlo, Winky, the chip of communication. So that's that's that set up. It is LA, not San Francisco. Sorry. Yes, it is LA. Yeah. So I got it completely wrong then. I thought it was San Fran. No. Because that toy museum is in San Francisco. Yes, that we it just is. covered. But so he was living up there by then. DV8 was in LA. San Francisco. Ah, they see, this is where I'm confused. I'm but, the, confused. but the event took place in LA on right. Sunset Boulevard because yeah, okay. of the billboard history it's got there. Yes. So okay. Was, and where was Lynn based? Was San Fran. Yeah. Okay. That's see. That's do you see my confusion? Yeah. But where are they doing this? Where are they shooting this? This is on uh, Los Angeles. Okay. So they've got the billboard filming this. Yes. So now the next segment is the short film about Winky. And it's very simple, very simply portrayed. There's a narrator, interviews. And what's interesting now is that the people they interview, they interview two people on this billboard. One is Sherry Davies, who is the lady we think won, went to New York afterwards, did the whole thing on her own up there. And then, as far as we know disappeared off the face of the earth we, after that. We haven't been able to find anything I else. I think I found it on LinkedIn, and it said she was kind of some kind of spiritual counsellor or something. Don't quote me on that. I okay. just think I did a little bit of research, and the closest I could find, because she called it herself an actress. To be, it's, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, it's the type of career that an actress might go into, yeah. and then, isn't it, to be cynical. And Dr. Winky gets interviewed as well in this. And then we there's a little bit of Jeffrey Stewart. And Jeff was the guy who got mad on the billboard. So it's interesting that that's there as well. Uh, you can even see very briefly Jeff Olan, who we interviewed on our podcast. He's in one of the shots there. So Olan wasn't the one who got married? No, no, no. Stewart was. Stuart. So Jeffrey Stewart. Jeff Stewart. Yeah. S-T-U-A-R-T. All right. <laughs> um, and that's it. So now we're going to jump into the documentary segment of this uh, weird game show, documentary game show thing, which sounds fucking great, actually. I would love to see that more. Yeah, it sounds like such an ambitious thing. I guess it, television, it's the prime, you know. Yeah, I mean... They used to do big things on TV, didn't they? pitch this to Netflix as a remake. No, uh, anyway, not, uh, not uh, in today's no, world. Shh, 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 shh. Moving on, in our That'd pocket. That'd be so push, push. toxic. Well, well, we'll see. Journalists. God, no, can you imagine? Yes, that's why I want to do it. It would be awful. Sexy version. Right, anyway, here is that documentary as presented by the Cheap Show Players. California, Los Angeles, April 1985. A new craze has hit Hollywood. The Winkies have hit the shelves. For the past four months, they have surged in popularity and have ignited the market. Their creator, Dr. Winky, 29 years old, crazy millionaire and genius. He got the idea on a flight from Paris to New York. A few weeks later, he invested a million dollars. What's a Winky? The Winky is a small electronic gadget with a sympathetic face and two lights for eyes, red and green. I chose a microcomputer design because they're a part of our lives and their signals are part of our language. It's a new form of communication that humanizes technology. A green light means that you're open to talking with someone. A red light means you'd rather keep quiet. When both are on, it means you're not sure. It's the badge of the century. A big and long-term event was needed to suitably launch the product. For that purpose, I invented the Living Billboard. Last December 11th, 12 people started a big winky marathon. It's a contest. They have to live in front of the whole world on the rafters, which go around the billboard. The last person to leave will be declared the winner. Initially, 12 young jobless actors tried their luck. 120 days later, only four are left on this living advertisement. I'm 26 years old. I've been holding out for the past four months, despite the noise, the cold, the boredom, the lack of freedom and space, and the utter lack of privacy. 
I find Winky to be a funny gadget, but what really counts is what I will win by being the last person standing. I would get money, a car, a trip, but also the leading role in a feature film. That's what's giving me the strength to stay on. Winky is a gadget that I believe can help people. Everyone is interested in this phenomenon. We're almost becoming more famous than the product itself. We use it, and it uses us. I hope I'll win this marathon, but I expect it'll be another two months. Thanks to Winky, Jeff even met his future wife. She walked under the billboard on Valentine's Day, and he then called her. The wedding will take place on the billboard on the 6th of June. I've market tested Winky in France and in Italy, and I'm certain it's a fashion that can take hold in Europe. I've had them produced in Hong Kong, and I'm distributing them through gadget and clothing stores at a sale price of $5. Women can wear them as earrings. Men can wear it on their tie or on a handkerchief. If you don't want to talk, you put it on red. And if you want people to chat with you, you put it on green. For the past four months, a Winky Marathon has been the main attraction on Sunset Boulevard. In Hollywood, you have to amaze, surprise and entertain. This Californian craze sells, and sells well. Dr. Winky hopes to turn a $3 million profit from his communication chip. I know not if Winky and his inventor will cause a surge in human relations, but one thing is for certain. Winky has already become the talk of the town and the envy of many. Nonsense. Poppycock. E empty nonsense. It's and funny, also, isn't it, with hindsight, that we know it was not a success, even at the time. It's obviously like he's told the, these journalists, oh, it's a big success. It's going to be a big success. And they have just gone with it, right? Yeah. And also, were we aware that they were trying to sell it on the that communication of whether you want to be spoken to or not? It varied from like promotion to promotion because initially... But they repeat that twice in that. But so that's a fallacy because it was designed to be random because you know it had contacts on the four corners. Yeah, that's what I thought. About. That's why I'm confused about this. So, but you couldn't, you couldn't make it red or green. I mean, you could if you knew what corners to hold down. Yes, you could. But if you're wearing it, you're still moving around and knocking it. So it doesn't matter. It's going to randomly flash depending on what contacts are being contacted. I feel like he was on drugs. No, he was a very rich man in the 1980s, probably on drugs, um, who threw everything into trying to be the next I don't know I'm not going to say Apple because that wasn't really a thing thing but you know what I mean it was he was trying to be the next entrepreneur wasn't he but this idea has no no practical benefit it's simply a an aesthetic item it's because some people but he's trying to say it's a high-tech thing for communication it's, it's not like, it's none of those it's like a traffic light party you know where like you go to a traffic light party at a student thing and it's like if you wear a red badge it means you're not interested but if you wear a green badge you'll take it up the fucking shit pipe Ooh. you know it's that kind of thing i never went to one of those parties well i did did you and i always wore green I didn't. I never went. I never invited. Um, right. Is that a real thing? Yes. Did it go on in your university? Well, there was a university night that I remember doing a traffic light party where you just turned up and you know, whatever. Um, you what? But then you were up for it if you wore green. Yeah. Or red if you were in, not interested at all. You just want to have a nice night. Well, why are you at the fucking party? Because you just want to get out of the house. We just want to yeah, get... Yeah, but there'd be but lots, don't bunch want to be of people, in, bunch of people in green getting knobbed off, though. No, but that's fine. They get knobbed off. You're just there because you like the music and some of your friends are going to be there. It's not important. That's it's stupid not, you're idea. focusing on the wrong thing. <laughs> ah. Because the other thing about Winky, right, is that, yes, they're arguing you can sell it as a communication device, but it's also been sold as a living thing that lives on you like a pet, and those lights are its mood. Like a pre-Tamagotchi Tamagotchi. And that's what it says on the inlay and the badge itself. You'll find its mood if it's I this. Know. 
things like that. That's why I mentioned the drugs. It points to a sort of a really cocaine-y vibe in that it's all <laughs> it's all horse shit. Do you know what I mean? It's all a bunch of hot air, and it's not even like they can get their story straight about what the use case is. For this I would thing. say, you know, because there is no use case. It's a piece of jewellery. But I, mean, I would say. It depended on who he was marking it to to any particular time. I think the idea was a blinking badge. That's it. That's the it, beginning and end. But if he was trying to sell it to kids, it was a toy. If he was trying to sell it to adults, it was a fashion accessory. Yeah. It was a social fashion accessory. And that's it, why it's inconsistent. And I would argue to why it failed. It has an inconsistency that is reminiscent of drug, uh, you know, the sort but of... But it's also the drug... I mean, the drug state, put it yeah. that way. I mean, we've covered this before. We did one eight one, but there was a tragedy to these people on this billboard who were up there for six months, and they've been promised a car and a movie and a showreel and this and everything. And it's like they got none of that. Why? Because of Doctor Lin. Yeah, because the money Wink. fell out, didn't it? Like he he wasn't paying the he rent on the thing for the last month or so because he didn't make the profit that he wanted off no. Loki. Yeah, and then she was somehow persuaded to go and be a spokesperson for it in New York, where they did the, he did the stunt again in New York on her own. But like that seemed like a like a transparent dangling carrot for it. it was like on her own. Yes. So the competition was just she just had to stay up there as long as possible. It wasn't a competition; it was a promotion. The oh. winner of this is now sitting on that billboard in New York to persuade you to come and take notice of this product and buy it, and it didn't work. He and wasn't we know, a great businessman, and there wasn't a movie. They didn't win a car, I don't think. I no. think in the episode, they talk about how there was nothing. It, it, it was all a massive uh, anticlimactic fart yeah. of an ending. And they probably would have been sort of forgotten about by the media by that point that it did end, you know? It wasn't you know, a story anymore. No, because the next weird billboard probably popped up a few months later yeah. on Sunset Strip. I mean, we don't know. We're moving on. Now we're going into part of the documentary where it's the uh, studio-bound segment, which is broadcast live at this time. I'll just read what Marcus has said. The studio is hosted by presenter Noel Mamir. Alongside him sits Bernard Pivot, or Pivot, or Pivot, I don't know, who is a legend in French media, a journalist having hosted numerous shows pertaining to literature and other subjects for decades. What I'm inferring is that he's like the French Terry Wogan. No, more, no, like, no. A, more like a Melvin Bragg or... Maybe, but from more the clip, arty. he seems quite avuncular. So I think... Terry Wogan's very middle-brow. That sounds much more like arts, the arts. It is. You know. But when you see the clip, I think you'll get what I'm... I guess Wogan did the proms and stuff like that, didn't he? And did Eurovision and stuff. He was, he was a respected broadcaster okay. and fondly considered. And that's why I'm no, saying in my head, if I had to compare him to something, I would say he's probably like a upper arty Terry Wogan, right? A bit more arty farty. Yeah. yeah. He goes on to say, note the deference that all the participants have when addressing him and the tendency to say his full name was a mark of respect. It feels really weird and old-timey. Oh. So you see what I mean? He's like, he's got that respect of yeah, the industry. Yeah, but Terry Wogan wasn't like that. It was much more, he like was. you say, avuncular. It was much people could felt like they could he was, but everyone relax loved around him. You know? Old tell. Everyone loved Terry Wogan. I know, but they're saying they like they defer. They're like kind of like, you know... Yeah, but all I'm saying is they're still respected and had some standing yeah. and audiences loved their presence on something. I'm getting the impression that yeah, he... Yeah, but obviously a big yeah. deal, this pivot or pivot. Yeah. Was. yeah. So, the jury of five professional journalists sit alongside them, ready to award this scores for the Winky film. There's a guy called Vincent Philippe from Switzerland, Sophie uh, Hequette from Luxembourg, uh, Jean-Louis uh, Boudot from Canada, Jose Sacre from Monaco, and Bruno Albin from France. As a result, you will not hear from Jose in this clip because they couldn't vote. This part of the show is clearly filmed live 
as can be guessed by the sometimes somewhat clumsy interactions and sometimes downright nonsensical phrases being thrown about. If it makes little sense in English, it's not even a translation issue, says Marcus. It really didn't make sense in the original French either. So what I'm saying is they're vamping at some point and trying to be witty or whatever and it's not quite coming off and that's why it reads weirdly in translation. Okay. They say not everyone is able to improvise witty remarks on live television. Yeah, that's right. So now the final bit is the vote scoring. And we're going to go and hand over to that little bit of it right now. Again, thanks to our Cheap Show players. Turns out Bernard also has his very own winky. I can see both red and green are blinking. So, do you want to chat or not? <laughs> well, both, actually. I send big thanks to Christine and Garlena for sending this my way. As soon as the show is over, I'll go to the Champs-Élysées to show off. <laughs> and so, now, if I want to set it to... Ah, uh, oh, there we go. Bernard, you're from Lyon. We'd never seen anything like that there. Or in Bordeaux. Or in any other major French city, right? It's a typically American thing. And, and that's why it's so great. Ah, there we go. Now I'm green. It would have been so useful when we were young at the dances. Do you want to dance? Do you not? If the girl puts on red, then you know. If it's green, then full steam ahead. It would have made things that much easier. I'd like to ask a question, though. Is there a gadget planned for space vehicles? Would be useful up there. Both companies could merge. Uh, no. We'll suggest that to the good doctor. I'm sure he'll come up with a solution. By the way, my small winky is blinking green. So if you wish to have a dance, we've got music and everything here. Of course. I'll be right over. Bernard Pivot very much appreciated your subject matter. I know it's important for you to get these scores since you've been in last place for the past two weeks. If the jury doesn't give a good score, I'll be angry. And of course, Bernard Pivot will not influence the jury. We begin with TSR. It's a good film. As with the previous entry, it's very typical of America. A guy having an idea, a crazy and funny idea that runs with it and perseveres and turns a profit. I find that very American. Sophie for RTL Television. I think that across all the stories reported by the girls of TMC, we could give them the Academy Award of the communications chip. Looks good so far. Yes, we're happy. We move to Radio Canada. Uh, Christine and Galeen, I think no one here is inflating their scores. We really mark the subject itself. Uh, it's an interesting and funny subject. I, I only wish to make one remark. There are two separate stories, one about the people on the billboard and one about Winky. Jose Sacra holds his breath and does not vote as he represents Tele Monte Carlo. We wait for the scores from Bruno Albin. I wholeheartedly agree with John Louis about the two stories, but it does not matter. Better to have two than none. And they are connected. <laughs> it does not impact my good mood. Let's not be distracted by Bernard Pivot. One detail. If you ever find the same glasses as Dr. Winky, please bring them to me. So, Roger, we impatiently await your score. 110 points. There you are, ladies. I believe that saves you, if I correctly remember what the other team's got. So, first impressions? We're saved, which is obviously relief. We have a question for Bernard Pivot. Where is he going to try out his little winky? Well, at home in my apartment, it wouldn't make much sense. But I really think I can make a mark on the Champs-Élysées. Oh, yes, for sure. Could it have a use on television? Well, television is a communications machine, but sometimes you don't really want to talk to the guests. It would be useful on my show Apostrophes, 
so guests could indicate if they want to talk or not. Would make debates interesting. I just want to say a quick thank you at the end of all this for everyone who got involved very last minute. So thank you, Ethan Lawrence. Thanks, Sue Kempner. Thanks, Octavius King, Ashens, Brian Wecht, John Rain from Smirsh Pod, and Paul Putner. Thank you all for giving your time, and Eli as well. Bless him. Anyway, back to the episode. So that's it. The girls do well. And apparently the point that they scored allowed them to survive for another week and continue on the tour. Winky so, works for them. Winky works Winky for them. Works. But it's interesting in that how it's almost like the bridge between LA and France, where we've got this French show that's talking about Winky that happened in LA. But at the same time, Winky in the documentary is saying about how he's trying to sell it in France and Italy. And we know they got over there because someone bought a job lot with their own mind to And sell. decided to do a single. Yeah. And they, so they based and then, on it. And then, and then that's there. And it obviously didn't work in France either. And we've seen it on British TV because uh, the Saturday Superstore gave away Winky's one morning as a prize. They did, did they? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was weirdly on a Stuart Millard video. And someone put, that's how I discovered Stuart Millard. Oh. So I went, oh, there's a Winky thing in here. And I watched the whole episode and I went, oh, that was a good episode. Oh, and there's Winky. And then I became a firm fan of Stuart and you should all enjoy his channel. Hmm. Okay, so they were over here um, and didn't, didn't they sell. They said they sell them in Curry's. Didn't someone I say that? I think it was Curry's or Dixon's, whatever those kind of shows were, uh, shops were at the time. I think they said $5 were the price. That was a bit high. No. What's that now? That's at, least, a loss. that's at least like $12, $13, right? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know the exchange rate, but far, I mean, look, I think at a loss, they're, they're selling at a loss. Really? Well, that's dollars. no, but that's terrible. No, I don't think they are. Think he about said it. he made them in Hong Kong. They're all just cheap. They're pre-existing components that make those yeah, things. Yeah, because he didn't copyright. He didn't patent the design because it was just a chip a chipboard thing. Yeah, yeah. Very, but you still got to make it. You still got to process it. Got to yeah, but think of the it. savings he's making by not having to actually manufacture any unique or mold or you know. He still designed the badge. We know he designed that badge, that face, the lights. So yeah, but he must have designed it with. With the knowledge that he could, you know, it seems very cynical. I mean, it's not like, oh, I had this vision of this face and, oh, it looks like no. this chipboard. It's like he saw the chipboard, thought that looks like a face, looked, thought, how cheaply can I get these? Well, you know, I the, would you know? say the idea was I want a badge with light that reflects mood or social conversation. Weird. And then he went, well, how can I package this chipboard with two lights? Oh, I'll make it a smiley face with eyes. It could have easily have been like Who traffic knows? lights. You could have designed the badge that was like traffic lights. You've been to a bunch of traffic light parties. Maybe with him. Apparently what they got up to at DVA. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. They put the deviation in DVA. Yes. I mean, I don't know. We don't know. You never you went had to a time a traffic... machine. I'd go back in time. What if you wear orange at a traffic light party? Uh, it means you're... Persuade you could be persuaded to be knobbed so off. So it's just like a normal party then. Yeah, but you got a stupid. Badge. No, but the badge kept out a little bit. You know, because sometimes you go up to you know, the whole issue. Is it a badge? It? I thought it's like your whole outfit had to be that colour. Well, oh, I thought you had to wear a badge. I don't remember it being a colour coded thing. Why would you go to a party dressed as red? Could I to... put some sort of torch into my asshole? <laughs> here we go. Right. Well, there we go. That's the winky <laughs> out the window, <laughs> shine a green light out my ass. Why? <laughs> then they know where the party's at. Oh, there's a. <laughs> Invite at the front, party round the back. Oh, uh, chocolate. Anyway. Chocolate <laughs> uh, like milk, milk party. It's really milk, good. Milk party. You go upstairs to the milk, milk party. But uh, if you want, downstairs is the lemon party. Yeah. Wow. Lemonade party. But you know where the action is? You go around the round back. The back. <laughs> mashed up Oreos. Now, mm, now. Now that's it. How do we end this segment now well, that you said can't. mashed up Oreos? I like that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did. But that's our winky update. Now, 
we are going to LA and we are going to meet some people out there. I'm not going to mention who it is for two reasons. One, it might not happen. And two, it might give a game away. But we're building towards more winky stuff. I would like to go and visit the, the billboard We're going to go. We're going to we? go. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go. Even if we just take exactly an Uber, Uber straight there. Sort yeah, of but we're not going to be that far away from it. So I know exactly oh, really? where it is. It's okay. by a hotel called The Standard off Sunset. And it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, we'll find Looking it. forward to that. And we'll do a little uh, we'll do a little voice thing there. Yeah, when we're in LA, we're going to be doing little videos. We're going to do podcast episodes out there, obviously. So when we get back in November, expect a few LA episodes. Oh, from yeah. Us. But until then. We're going to take a break. Let's take a little break, mate. Take so a little reboot. break. It's, and it's always nice to get our winky out every once in a while. Good. A nice little winky update, Paul. Very interesting stuff. Splatters after the sound effects. Splatters! Hey, what's the matter? It's Silverman's Platter. Hi there. It's time for Silverman's Platters. Uh, this is the section of the show where we look at novelty records and interesting recordings of such like that are on the platters, meaning the round disc-like objects. Someone's going all Ganon-like. <laughs> disc-like objects, which are records. And there's the new batch of platters coming right in right, right now. Right in right now. They're coming right in uh, right now. You know, you know what we're covering today? Uh, a song by The Police. <laughs> With Sting in that ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. You're not done. I am. You ain't done. You ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere, buddy. It's the music record-based part of the show, everyone. And we bring records to the attention of uh, you, the listeners. And then we will have the... It's the original binary segment where we say if it's a platter, meaning we like it. We it, like it. It deserves to exist. It does. Or a splatter. Oh, dear. Which is, it needs to be destroyed, melted yeah. down. Well, no, it's just rather... Melted a... down, turned into furniture. No, or it's just a disappointment and it doesn't reach our levels of quality we deem it to need to reach platter status. I deem it to need. Deem it to need. <laughs> Paul Gannon, solicitors. Deem it to need. <laughs> right, so scrub my bollock off. That's not even. A, no, that a, could be my bit in the in the solicitors. Why would I need anyone in my advert? You'd be there go, deem it to need, and then I'd come out of the door, right? <laughs> yeah. At the end of the corridor, go, scrub my bollock off. Yeah, but how is that gonna It would it, sell law to people, no. my friend. Oh, oh, we've got a problem with property with the next door neighbour. I tell you what, what was that guy with the advert, the, the scratch my bollock off guy? Oh, yes. Deem it to need. Yeah, the deem it to need, men. I need my bollocks. Like they're dough. You've got nothing to give, so how about you just shut up? Like it's dough. Need the bollock. So you're saying your bollocks are now like, I don't know, pizza bread. Lumpy pizza bread. Need two big fists in them. I need a moustache gentleman to spin them into the air so they flatten out. (laughs) Like a big pink pancake, Paul. I'm giving you nothing. I'm giving you nothing. So what, like your a, balls that baggy that the centrifugal yeah. force on them will cause them to flatten out? That's what out. I'm getting out. And you'd put a bit of powder on. Mm. Puff, puff. <laughs> a puff, puff on the powder. Oh, maybe a little uh, Parmigiano sprinkle. Uh, a tinkle of talc. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what's the first platter we're going to discuss? Excuse but... me, sir. Would, sir, like a tinkle of talc? I would, because my bollocks are so sore. Off, 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 off. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled you. Do it. Tickle a talc. Tickle a talc. Tickle a talc. Deem the need in me. 
So Eli has two records. Um, which one do you want to start with? I think with the, the answer phone thing. Okay, because so, there isn't a great deal to say about it, is well, it, Paul? Tell me what you found, who it's by, what it's called, and then introduce the track. This is a record that I found in a charity shop somewhere here in London, Paul. White label, uh, one-sided. There's a no groove on it the It is on a the flat B-side. surface. Which I think is a clue as well to sort of uh, its origin. Yeah. Uh, and it is on a label called Crook Cassettes. So not a re- not not something records, it's cassettes. Cro- okay. Crook Cassettes, and it is called Dog and Bone. That's the name of the track. The artist listed Johnny and the Answer Phones. And it sounds... Almost identical to this. It's me again, Graham. Uh, look, I really want to get a phone call back from you, and fucking quick. It's me again, Graham. Me again, Graham. Me again, Graham. Me again, Graham. Me again, me again, Graham. Uh, look, I really want to get a phone call. I really want to get a phone call. I really want to get a phone call. I really want to get a phone call back from you. And fucking quick. Fucking quick. Fucking quick. Fucking quick. Fucking quick. Right, because this is fucking serious and it's fucking urgent. Right, because this is fucking serious and it's Now, so we played the last chunk of that, not the beginning chunk, because the last chunk had naughty words in and that's funny, so that's what we kept in. But essentially what the song comprises of is someone with maybe a MIDI or some kind of sampler device. Yes. uh, With a bunch of found footage answer phone messages well it sounds like someone took the, like well okay with a backing track that's obviously made with a keyboard and a drum machine a or simple, no, yeah i think it's i think it's a drum i mean kit. i don't know but it's definitely a, I a, think a it mix is. isn't it it's definitely some kind of sample mix here's the thing the reason why we're bringing this up is almost because there's nothing to talk about this is one of the few songs we've ever had in this podcast that has almost no footprint at all it's not on discogs it's not on YouTube. It's not on Spotify. Shazam couldn't find it. Google Music Finder couldn't find it. This exists in our hands and rarely anywhere else, we'd imagine. We did, however, identify Crook Records, cassettes, sorry, Crook Cassettes, yeah. the label, which was based, as it says on this uh, on this record, Crook Cassettes, Crook, County Durham. It must be a, a, yes. a town in County Durham. Yeah. And they've got only a, a very tiny handful of releases ever, a right? A few. There's a band called El Vivo and like Monster Bastard or something. But this guy, because on, uh, on the label here, it says Dog and Bone, then in brackets it has the songwriter, and it says Robinson. Now that is... Graham Robinson. And Graham Robinson. Who also is listed on this as recorded and produced by him. So yeah. that's him. But also, if you notice, the answer phone message is from some guy called John who wants Graham, must be this Graham, to uh, call him back. But this but, is what, And it's fucking urgent. But that's what I'm saying. It feels like Johnny and the thing is the band, but based on the fact that this guy Johnny is calling in. Yes. The joke is that, that he's, he's Johnny, not, yeah, yeah, and the answer phone. And phones. Graham is the mixer who's produced it, put it all together. Graham has, we've been able to identify, has had a, a long career as a producer 
producer, arranger, sort of musician guy. Apparently in 1985, and we don't know when this record came out, but it must have been just before or around then. It's in perfect it's condition. Because it's recorded in Abbey Road, right? So it's... That's the other thing I was going to mention. That yeah. I forgot. It says... Not doesn't say recorded. It's, oh, okay. It says cut at Abbey Road. What does that mean then? I think that means edited. mastered. So they brought the audio there and edited it on their system. Cut is actually referring to the lathe cutting the groove. Oh. So he would have cut the... So they brought their own master. Cut the acetate there or whatever they do. You know, cut the master mould. Well, you could do that anywhere. It doesn't really have to be Abbey Road. It just sounds good to have it on your record. Well, you've got the equipment there to master it because you have to master it on. It's a skill that isn't there anymore because it's done by computers. Because... For example, the needle is moving um, faster over the groove by the time it gets to the end of the record. It, or, yeah. No, at the beginning of the record, and it slows down because of the space. Yeah. And so you have to master for that because it will affect the tone. And of, the pitch and stuff. Do you stuff, see what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's quite a complicated thing. And also, um, as we learned today, because of the way you have to keep a vinyl at a sensible level so it doesn't vibrate and knock the needle. Because the it bass, that- it's physically moving the needle around yeah. and the bass is from side to side. So the loud, loud, if you get really loud bass, you can literally throw yeah. the needle out of the groove. But that's what they're saying. They have to master these tracks so that doesn't happen naturally when you play it on a vinyl. Yes. So that they're always mixed better. So yeah, no, it, it, it which and then that acts as a um, a limit to how loud they're going to make the bass. Whereas if you're doing something digitally on yeah. a CD, there's nothing there that is going to physically stop you from doing it. Unless you so add you your get own badly, compression. Badly yeah. mixed CDs yeah. with t- terrible sounds um, and stuff. Anyway, it just says here, GDR Beats is a remote music service from platinum award-winning producer and dr- session drummer, Grain Robinson. See, that's what I mean. He's a session drummer, so I believe that the drums on this are live, yeah. but he did. Graham established GDR Music in 1985 and has played drums, produced, engineered, mixed and mastered many award-winning and critically acclaimed recordings across many genres. Graham's work on releases for labels include Polygram, Sony, Ministry of Sound, EMI, Parlophone, Virgin, Warner and more and has received numerous official BPI and Brit Certificate Gold, Silver and Platinum Awards. And then it goes on about how he's got all this fancy stuff in his studio. So he's definitely a sort of... um, Someone who had access to a studio. This is my little... Little thought on what why this record exists, Paul, okay? Yeah. Our man, Graham, was being hounded by this guy, John, for some reason. He doesn't yes. mention, does he mention on the record what it's about? He just wants him to call him before nine that night, yeah. right? And I believe that our hero here, um, Graham, uh, got pissed off with it. Yeah. This is what it feels like to me. And he thought, I'll make it into this little tune. But... You can only do that if you've got free time in the studio or free access to this equipment. You see what I mean? But you're still cutting it at Abbey Road. That costs money. I wonder how many of these he made. He probably made these as a joke and thought, I'll give a few to like my mates. It's a costly joke, though, because there's no B-side. So it's not as if he was going to throw it around to radio stations. It's a demo. Yeah, but would you have given it to a radio station to play? It's not for general release, that, would it? Well, maybe it never got to that stage and he thought, oh, it's not really, it's not much of anything, is it? It's just one idea. But funnily enough, it has a sort of weird, almost Aphex Twinny vibe in in the <laughs> yeah. way he's distorting and flanging yeah, the the audio. Yeah, and and doing little and things with message. it, you know. And it's funny how I try to look online, and there's just there was nothing, nothing, nothing. The closest we got was a, a hard house dance track from Johnny L called the Answer Phone, and Which that has was nothing it. to do with nothing this whatsoever. But there, a lot of Johnnies seem to really use Answer Phones a lot. Apparently, then this could be one of the most obscure pieces of vinyl I've ever owned or come across, yeah. and it and it goes to show that in terms of uh, value for secondhand vinyl, it could be as rare as this. Like, there's no, there is no way I could find another one of these. No, anyway, you got it in a charity I, it, shop, so someone owned it. Where did they get it from? How did they? Where did they? Yeah, you know what I mean. That might have been in a box in a garage for forty years. But what I'm saying is, it's still worth fuck all. 
even yes. though it's an yeah, incredibly yeah, yeah. rare thing. It, you know, it's a scarce Unless thing. Unless Graham Robinson's legacy means that when he passes on, that will suddenly accrue value because of its kind of footnote in his career. The point I'm trying to make is that people sometimes just assume if that is, there's only one oh yeah one yeah, 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 thing yeah, yeah, yeah. one uh, object that exists it must be worth a load but no. no one gives a shit no one gives a shit no. it's still worth fuck all and that this is a really good example of that because you couldn't you you'd have to work hard to find you'd have to do a lot of, like detective well, work and no spend eBay, money no discogs because there's not it's not discogs there. Yeah. hasn't popped up for sale you'd think oh someone must have come across one and tried to sell it no nothing uh, exactly and my my theory is that it's some kind of grudge little grudge, grudge joke novelty joke that he made for himself essentially maybe or and maybe a pressed a couple of hundred or maybe he was testing equipment yeah yeah you, ne- you never know but it, it's i like it i, I like, like this it. kind of thing I so like well it. we've given the game away there haven't we yeah it's... so shall I, do we need to go through the formality it's a splatter for it's me definitely... unfortunately i what? didn't like it very much at all you just said you liked it oh i've got to be a contrarian that's what gets viewers these days no it's not what's that thing you like i don't like it <laughs> no it's not what gets figures so what what do you like pickles i hate pickles you you kind of you're neutral on pickles yeah, i'm say. pickle neutral i'm pickle curious you quite like noodles no I don't there's something else you like tell me Humanity. Hate it. That's a genuine one as well. Yeah, I know. Right, we're moving on to our next platter. Now, this one... That was, just just to be clear... It's a platter for both of us. It's a platter for both of us. A nice, jolly mystery that we will never really solve. But hey, Graeme, if you're listening and you want it back... 50 quid? The um, obscurity of it. 60 quid. The absolute pitch obscurity of it tickles my fancy, Paul. Easily the, the, the most... Not even saying unique... But to find something with no footprint like this it, on a show that already has rare, weird stuff out there. Do you think, do you agree that it's a bit, it, it must be a sort of grudgy thing? There's a sort of, there's a sort of vibe because he's being almost being tetchy and rude, the guy John calling him up, isn't he? I it? get the impression it's more demo based on, like for instance, there's a track by Ben Folds on the, the Rhino Messner album, right? It's a mellow jazz track, but he's taken the antiphone message from his dad who left him a message one night. He was concerned about his son saying, oh, make sure you look after yourself and this, that and the other. And he turned it into this weird vibe. Yeah. It's it almost hauntological kind of sound. It's almost like linear space music. It's um, it's it's like a found footage type sort of vibe. Yeah. There's something avant-garde, even though it's throwaway, is what I'm saying, which is also kind of... It's experimental, almost. Yeah, no, it's weird. The track's called Your Most Valuable Possession. And, yeah, Dean Folds, I think, is his dad. And there's just this message, and it's really is that, chill Is and that weird. a quote from the message? Probably saying your Look life, after your mind. Your, He's saying, your mind, look after your brain. Don't burn out. Don't stress out. What do you think the chances are that Ben Folds was uh, heard this, this dog and bone and was influenced by it? I wonder how many Close songs... Close to zero, no, I'd say. But I wonder how many songs out there do. Well, there's that the answer. It's a phone song, which is that which we have we covered that, which is like a sort of pop country sort of novelty thing. There was, I think, there's. But a, does it have answer phone footage on it? No, doesn't have the found footage. It, how many it's songs about an there? answer phone? Use audio from that, an answer phone. That hey, what's your number? No, I couldn't get through. That's Why an don't answer you phone thing. Boom. And your number? That's a curiosity killed the cat. Is it? Yeah, but then it was used by Della Jamiro- Soul. And no, by Jamiroquai used it as well. It's quite a popular riff. There's definitely a, a hip hop act in the states who used it as well. Maybe, but I know that. Ver- well, no. Or what's human cry? No, I think it's curiosity of the kill the cat. Is it something that actually originated as one of those novelty answer phone messages you could use? You remember they sold those on TV? It's like where you leave a wacky message by Donald Duck or something. Well, no, because you had to remember the process. You had to record an answer. Yeah. And then after after the beep, they'd record, right? Yeah. But you could get these novelty tapes that would have like Dr. You know, not Dr. Seuss. He wouldn't speak. Um... (laughs) 
Dr. Spock yeah. answering your phone or, you uh, know. Yeah, you could just get, you could have cassettes that you could buy. I think that was voices, maybe yeah. one of those that, why don't you leave your name? It was like a song one. You no, know? I don't know. I don't. I think it's just a song by Curiosity Killer. Anyway, it's uh, interesting, Paul. Interesting. And let's move on to our second and final uh, platter or spatter here on Silverman's Splatters, the record segment of Cheap Show. And it is by an artist called Alan Smethurst, better known in the 50s as the BBC Singing Postman. And this is a clip from his hit, Have You Got a Light Boy? I had a gal, really nice gal, down in Roxham Way. She wore holy nice to me back in the old school days. She would smile all the while, but Daddy didn't know all what she used to say to me behind the garden wall. Hey, I got a light, boy. Hey, I got a light. Then one day she went away. I don't see her no more. Till by chance I see her down along the Monthly shore. She was there twice as fair. Would she now be true? So when she sees me passing by, she say, I'm glad that you, hey, I got a light, boy, hey, I got a light. Molly Windley, she smoked like a chimney, but she's my little nicotine gal. So this is an EP, again I picked up in uh, a charity shop. Did you like the uh, the little bit of ghostly child drawing on the back of the cover there? Paul? Yeah, get a picture of that because that is quite haunt- hauntological yeah. and a bit folk horror I don't know it? what they were trying to draw there. But they were trying to draw the moosty man who came at night from the The moosty man. The moosty man. Mumble, mumble, I'm the moosty man. Something like that, yes. There go the police again. They obviously yeah. didn't want to stand so close to Not having <laughs> any of that today. So uh, this is hardly the rarest not even rarest what's the word i'm looking for it's not the most like secretive track people know of the singing policeman of a certain age and generation they do he must have been a, some kind of hit was he on a tv show or something paul oh shall i tell you right now thanks to the podcast age old art of just ripping off wikipedia please tell me right so these it says on the on the sleeve so bbc singing postman with songs made favourites on the Wednesday morning programme. And I just want to point this out. Ralph took promotions right on this. Ralph Tuck's all over this fucking thing. Apparently he was like the agent. And so like the thing you see on the top of the record is Ralph took promotions. It's the biggest, it's the biggest words on this single. Well, he must have thought, wow, I'm going to make some money off this Smethurst guy. Yeah, because Smethurst obviously like a, a postman. Yeah, so he didn't, he didn't want to be a... A pop star or a singer, did he? So, he was born in 1927, this Alan Smethurst, and he was also known as the Singing Postman, an English folk singer. He's best known for the self-penned novelty song, Have You Got a Light Boy, which earned him, and this is, I didn't know this, because this song kind of bubbles around in, like, pop culture of, like, my generation-ish, but definitely my parents, right? But it's earned an Ivor Norvello Award in 1966, and The Guardian dubbed him a bookishly melancholy folk satirist. Right, and it is very lo-fi, the music on this uh, record, isn't it? Very lo-fi. It's just a guitar and him, isn't it, I think? It's a bit like that. Remember we had that other thing, which is similar, where it was two folk singers who sang for that BBC radio station? In Bristol? Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like that. This this was the earlier version, because this obviously came before them by a good 20 years. It's essentially sort of outsider. Almost. Outsider, but that's very interesting. It's very lo-fi, the recording. It feels like they just did it in a room or something, doesn't it? Uh, At the bottom here, Paul, says Ralph Tuck Promotions Limited, Four Winds, whatever that means. Whatever that is. Maybe it's an album. 
Raiden, Southwold in Suffolk. And then we have a little message from Tuck himself. See, he's all over this. We will be delighted to... Is he to... like the, 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 the general that he... looked after the Elvis? Yeah, he's the Svengali <laughs> yeah, of Smethurst, obviously. <laughs> but he's obviously got some kind of business, right? Yeah, definitely. Ralph Tuck Promotions Limited. Perhaps he's like the Suffolk sort of... Uh... Del boy kind of thing. Weird. We will be delighted to hear suggestions for commercial recordings of Alan Smethurst's other songs. Let us know the favourite songs you would like to hear. It's almost like he's saying, give us a record deal. Who wants to give this guy a record yeah. deal? Who'd like that? And it's then like, it's, it's like, like, I deal with, I'm deal with Smethurst's it's business like, completely. It's like the 50s Kickstarter. The cover depicts um, a little sort of caricature of Smethurst with his postman's hat on. And he looks quite horrific there, Yeah, what's he, he doing? Is he singing or is he's he like... singing. Is he trying to unlock his jaw to swallow a python it or looks something? Um, it's very strange. It's all, there's a very sort of um, folk horror sort of resonance yeah, yeah. about this whole object. Made worse by the weird ghostly floating head that some child has <laughs> yeah. painted, drawn in biro on the back. You've got to include that on the pictures, uh, Yeah, 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 pictures, I will. Paul. Don't you worry. Uh, weird shapes and a floaty doll head. So he was a simple, humble postman. He worked for the GPO uh, in Norfolk and Suffolk. During his rounds, he hummed on his daily post round, and he did this for 12 years, and he would write and sing songs in his native Norfolk dialect. Yes. Somehow, an audition tape from him was sent to the BBC, and it earned him a spot on Ralph Tuck's BBC East regional radio programme Wednesday morning. Now, Oh, Ralph Tuck was the presenter of it. So okay. you see what I mean? He's also got an industry. He's also got a sideline of promotions. It's like, oh, don't worry, I'm a BBC regional presenter. I'll get you on the Royal Variety performance, so I'll get you in He front was pushing of... Smethurst, wasn't he? He's like, this is my way into the big time. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, in a, in a very weird, very partridge kind of yeah. way. Goes on to say... His popularity led to Tuck recording Smethurst on his own record label called The Smallest Recording Organisation in the World based in Lowestoft. A four-track EP containing some of his signature tunes, which might be that that you're holding be. right now, made the charts in 1965. This was followed by it an EP. It says December 64 on it, so that oh. would make sense because it would well, make the charts after it was yeah, released. Yeah, but here's the right? thing. That thing you're holding, that's not on Discogs either. Bizarre. It's got all his other EPs and his singles. Like It's called First Order or Second Order or First, first Delivery, Second Delivery with his EPs. Perhaps this was an early copy that uh, Ralph Tuck kind of got to... As a, like a business card, calling yes. card thing. Because it is very much an advert for him as a concept rather than a proper cover. It says, Alan Sm it's, no, it's no title. It just says, Alan Smethurst, BBC, singing yeah. postman. Do you know? He's like, all over Wednesday it. morning programme. So this is like a promotional item that Ralph produced, obviously. It's literally Trotter's independent trading. <laughs> Isn't it, though? It is. But what I wanted to say before you continue... Yeah. No, perhaps get to the end of this, and then I'll... Yeah, 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 because, Sorry. look, he released a load of albums, a load of singles, he did a bit of TV, apparently, and this, again, shocks me. Uh, he was signed to EMI, that's not what shocked me, but he was on top of the pops. But unfortunately, his performances were always uh, offset by the fact that he was terrified he had nerves and stage fright and he he's hated. a postman yeah of course and behind on a radio i imagine it's fine to just sit there and sing or yeah. record but like on top of the pops with a bunch of teenagers what are they gonna do when you're singing have you got a light boy they wanted it to be, it to be a novelty hit didn't yeah it's not like like uh, benny hill who was clever about it because benny hill was like i'm not going on top of the pops how embarrassing i'm gonna make that Video, you know the video that everyone knows of him dressed up and on the horse and cart for Ernie, yeah, for which Ernie. was a hit. Was yeah, it? sorry yeah. for Ernie, that was his biggest hit. Ernie, but he didn't want to go on top of the pops to do it. Quite rightly, he was like, "This is embarrassing," so I'll make this video for them to play instead. 
but he was a, a professional comedian. Yeah. So they could have this done that. This is just a poet. This he yeah. wasn't really a milkman. Benny Hill wasn't a milkman. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, no one thought to say, "How about we just film something of yours and then we can just play that," as opposed to making you doing it. They should have done live. like yes, they should have done a video of him delivering the milk and singing or whatever. Yeah. You know, a little docu thing. He apparently did a summer season at the Windmill Theatre in Great Yarmouth. So yeah, he, then he won the Novello Award for best novelty song of the year. Well, then convicted horrible cretin Rolf Harris recorded a cover version without success even though that's the version that always pops into my mind first weirdly there's a Rolf Harris version of yeah. course I forgot then he had a comeback in 1994 when it was featured as part of a television commercial for Ovaltine which is that multi-bedtime drink that now you got like, a light boy Ovaltine, Ovaltine light uh, that is seared into my brain and as if Cheap Show itself had come up with this next fact it was also covered by a punk band in 1981 called Splodgeness Bounds <laughs> Splodge what? Splodgeness Bounds or one word splodgeness sounds splodgeness bounds but all one word so splodgeness bounds did they have anything else no i mean i could look into it but no uh yeah i bet it was i bet it was like a thrashy version of that that could work he uh so the the singing postman left the music industry in 1970 citing stage fright and having arthritic hands he later admitted to having an alcohol problem and revealed all his earnings were gone and he was penniless he spent the last 20 years of his life living quietly in a salvation army hostel in grimsby where he died from a heart attack in december 2000 and yet in 2010 a radio 4 documentary uh yeah radio 4 documentary called in search of the singing postman was broadcast and written about by presenter dj taylor interesting now paul there's that oval teen the, the frontman for the band that i just talked about is called max splodge <laughs> Not his real name, obviously. There's that Ovaltine. For such an obscure thing, it's had quite a a reach on popular culture. The other thing that it has been quoted in is David Bowie's early, early, early hit. Yeah. But not even a big hit, The Laughing Gnome. Yeah, that in his goblin face. Which is a novelty record as well, really. The Laughing Gnome talking to him. The Laughing Gnome has a Norwich accent in that record. And he says, how you got a light. So was it some kind of parlance that was known in Norfolk that he ingratiated to the song? Yeah, Yeah, cool. Well, there you go. It's probably the same root thing, isn't it? Yes. Um, I not Norfolk, Suffolk, but a similar area. Now, just wait there. Can I just do this to get out of the way and I can put my phone down? That Splodgeness Bounds band, they God. did do one song. You're going to know it. Two pints of lager and a packet of crisps, please. That, that was one that of That was them. Yeah, that was them. Just to kind of put a bow on that and John Peel love ah. them. So, Bowie picks up on it for yeah. his record. Also, he picked up for his the name of his character, Ziggy Stardust, from that Stardust Cowboy. Oh, who's yeah. an outsider artist, yeah. right? So, Bowie has this sort of affinity for the outsidery stuff that he sort of Anthony incorporates. Anthony Newley, that yeah. whole art pop thing. It's interesting how he incorporates this as well. And he, can, he takes things from not from the mainstream, from outsider sort of stuff. That's what he finds interesting. I just thought I'd make that point. Yeah, but it's fascinating because because it is folk, ultimately, it's still approachable. It's still something that, yes, of course, the BBC could put on a local radio station. It's perfect for that. Okay, well, I think we've uh, exhausted that, Paul. Also, the other, there's four tracks on this, and the fourth oh, yeah. one is called... A Miss from Dis. And, and it's about him dating, trying to get off with a, it's a trying lady to get off this woman. Dis. And they did This the is just, just down the road from Great yeah. Yarmouth. But then at the end, it's weird. He has this whole bit where he goes, some men like fat girls and some like, like thin. I just like a woman who can cook for me and stitch my and clothes. And so, yeah. It's, and you uh, think... Uh, Maybe doesn't it's also, satire. Doesn't it also have the cliche, from which I think goes back to the blues, where he says, if you won't do it, your, uh, your sister, I know oh, yeah. your sister will. He basically does say, it's weird to have this really foggy thing, but he's talking like Johnny Rotten, where it's like, oh, if I can't do you, your sister's always No, I around. think that comes from like Delta Blues. I think that's in folk, that trope of like, 
I'll go for your sister. Yeah. Goes back way, way, way in folk. Like Goldie Looking Horn does uh, that song about your sister. Goldie Looking Horn. You've just said. <laughs> God. Goldie Looking Chain. Where'd the horn come from? <laughs> oh, no, you farted. This segment's over. Goldie Looking Horn. This, uh, this is a... I think because of the cultural importance, I call it a platter. <laughs> Shut up. You just farted. That's classic. That was classic, Paul. Is it a platter I, or platter? Golden looking. Shut golden up. Looking I'm done. This segment's over. Goldie Horn, you twat. That's why no Goldie Horn. That's it. <laughs> platter or splatter? A platter, Paul. And that's the end of Cheap Show Before for yet another week. Before we need to know that was a platter, a splatter for I you. I said platter. You were too busy laughing at my misfortunate that use of words. That was so good. That was the best in years, man. Right. <laughs> Goldie looking on. Shut up. I was quite proud of Tinkler Talk. No, so, um, no that look. wasn't a mistake. It's the, it's the fact that you fucked up. Anyway, two sorry, things. Sorry, go ahead. Two things if you want to get involved with us on Cheap Show. We're on all the socials, but basically, long story short, go to our website, thecheapshow.co.uk. Links there to everything you can possibly need to reach out or enjoy Cheap Show content. Videos, episode guides, uh, links to this, links to that, merch, links to our live show in November with Digitizer. It's all there, thecheapshow.co.uk. Also, we'd like to thank our supporters who support us on Patreon. You lovely backers keep us going. And without it, we generally wouldn't have as much fun making these episodes. So thank you to you. And if you want to get involved in that and get access to Patreon exclusive videos and podcasts and magazines from event and all sorts of wonderful behind the scenes goodness, patreon.com forward slash cheap show. It is as simple as that. I've seen what you've brought. Oh, for the next episode. Yeah. We're going to record another episode in a minute because, you know, we're going to LA soon. Well, we're just trying to get a few episodes locked in. So the next one's going to be one of our patented real-time, barely any edits, start-the-clock, 60-minute romps. So that's yeah, what we're I'm doing next week. Yeah, i to it, actually, Paul. Uh, but I have, I've ruined the surprise there on well, that, haven't you? Well, well I, you, you might should have, have hidden it better. Have you seen I wasn't much? sure if I was going to use it, actually, full stop. It was just there on the off chance. I'll, I'll have a look at that during the episode. Uh, but anyway. what is it? Find out next week. Oh. Can I just add, thank you very much, patrons. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, and that's really it. Yes, we are on Instagram and threads and X and whatever you want to fucking want to call it. Look for Cheap Show. All is well. But honestly, our website's the place to go. Is that it? Is that the outstanding? LA soon, baby. Baby, We're going to start packing soon, get insurance, get tickets to Disney, and try and nail down those guests. Because if that doesn't happen, I will be cancelling the trip for you. I'll be going on my own. You won't be going. I'll go, me. I'll bring a sexy lady with me. Sexy lady called uh, Annabelle. Oh, fuck off, man. Sexy Annabelle. I hate it when you try and think of something. I really do. It's always biscuits. Or... I said Annabelle. It wasn't a Jimmy and it wasn't a biscuits, was it? It was an Annabelle. You did that joke about if you've been disturbed by anything you heard. You did that earlier today. Yeah, I know. That's tired. And Paul. sleep. Yeah. Oh, don't. <laughs> I hate it when you say that. <laughs> I got you. I got you in the feels, in the uh, in the Pavlovian response feels. Anything you want to add? Mussolini, sugary linguine. <laughs>
the one we did miss that someone pointed out on Twitter was a Pol- Polo Pot. Polo <laughs> And I'm just going to say, I did prefer my ultimate Well, that was the ultimate, yes. Well anyway, done, Paul. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's Love it you guys. for this week. What a lovely show it's been. I think off... Uh, you don't, don't think much, do you, Paul? Much, you didn't no. think before you said that, did you? I was going to say, I think one of our best, but actually, it's... Is it one of... You don't know till you get the finesse, the snip, snap, snop, the kitty cat cut. Ooh, finesse it. Then we've heard your feedback. Hey, Paul, can I say something to you? Yeah. Make me sound good, yeah? Yeah. Chuffney tray. Chuffney tray. Do you know what you can put in the chuffney tray? Pre-packed poultice. Pre-packed poultice. Pre-packed poultice. Stuff it in the chuffney tray. That's what I say. You're just going to suffer. I'm just going to suffer. You make me suffer. Pre-packed poultice. And that's the end of this week's episode. We've got nothing. This is not a wrap-up. This is just a calamitous end. See you next week. Bye, everyone. My little miss from this, I miss her sister too. When one sister's missing, more the other one will do. But don't you go and tell her this to you, no friend of mine. I miss my little miss from this, is kissed all the time. I miss my little miss from this, is kissed all the time.